episode of the DFS Dose, your fix of DFS information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and as always, I'm joined by the two Jays, Joey and Jared. And gentlemen, much in the same way that we are new to the podcast game, some people out there are new to the DFS grind. So we are going to kick off today's episode by talking about a couple of basic DFS strategy tips for beginning players. Uh, for the most part, we don't really talk about the basic strategy of DFS, but we're going to get into just some some things to help people who are just starting out uh, be successful. So I'm going to kick it right to you, Joey. Do you want to talk about uh, the main two types of games in DFS? Yeah, no problem, Ben. So the main two types of games are GPPs, which is a guaranteed prize pool, or a cash game. So a GPP is basically a tournament where there's multiple entries, and it's usually a bigger prize pool where the first place is usually a big amount, like $10,000, $15,000. It's obviously harder to win GPPs because there's so much variance, and anybody could have any player that could absolutely go off and make, and make them the winner. So it's harder to win, and with um, cash, it's easier to win in cash. So cash games are... Double ups, multipliers, head to head, any uh, any of those contests. So with cash games, that's what you want to focus on when you're first starting out, because that's where you're gonna make your most money. You don't want to throw all your money at GPPs, even though it might be attractive, like oh I could win this big amount, but most likely you're not gonna win if you don't put in the time. So cash games are the way to go when you're first starting out. Jared, when you're building a lineup do you go in ahead of time thinking about whether it's going to be a cash lineup or a gpp lineup yeah because this is completely different strategies you should go for um the high upside plays you always want to go for the gpp side and for the the safer plays like you could use roto grinders they always have like the high owned guys or whatever those are usually the safer plays i mean it depends on if you like them or not, obviously. But the safer plays, you always want to go for cash. You always want to have like a guaranteed points that you think you're gonna get. And then the high upside side, uh, the high upside guys, you just want them to blow up, and then that could obviously win you a GPP. Yeah. So in terms of a cash game in NFL on DraftKings, you have fifty thousand dollars as your you know your salary to make a lineup. So for each player you're going to want to be 3xing value. So that means, you know, if you pay 5000 for a player, you want to hit at least 15 points in a cash game to hit value. So in total, yep. you're aiming to have about 150 points total from your lineup to sort of hit that cash line that will win you most of your head-to-heads, most of the double-ups, assuming something crazy doesn't happen in the week. Um, in terms of ownership, can you just talk about what that means, Joey? Because, you know, people who play redraft may not, you know, be familiar with ownership. So ownership is a big part in DraftKings as a whole. Um, you kind of want to figure out who you think is going to be high owned for that week because you could target those players if you feel like they're going to you know, go off or you could uh, go away from those players if you think that you know they might not do as well but everybody else thinks they are doing. So you could have uh, some variance in your lineups and that's where the term chalk and contrarian come into play. Uh, ben, do you want to describe what those mean? 
So the chalky plays are going to be the plays that are the highest owned on the slate. So just taking a look at week one, uh, Le'Veon Bell, 9,400, may be chalk against the Browns because people are going to see Le'Veon Bell. He's the top running back on the slate. He has a high workload. His volume in the passing game should be guaranteed, and the Browns are traditionally a pretty bad team. So in terms of ownership, uh, looking at a tournament, he may be 30% owns, which means that 30% of the people playing have Le'Veon Bell on their roster. So when you look down, you may see somebody like David Johnson right below him who could potentially have lower ownership and a similar projection, which would make David Johnson a better GPP play because the less owned the player is, when that player does well, uh, there's less people moving up the leaderboard. So in GPPs with large fields of players, you're going to want to target the lower owned players because that means you know you're if they go off and you have them at one percent on your team then you're shooting up the draft boards where nobody else is gaining that leverage yeah especially if the players that you have that aren't chalk go off you could definitely be winning a lot of money so for example the millionaire maker which is like the featured contest for week one of every season on DraftKings, it's a 20 dollar entry fee but there's two hundred ninety four thousand entries and basically you could go like in with the entries and make so many different lineups and you're going to want to like to play some of the chalk guys because those like are guaranteed points but you also want to go away and play some of the guys that you think have the highest upside to maybe make you that millionaire one of the most important things to be aware of when choosing what contest to enter on DraftKings or FanDuel or any of these sites is you're going to be aware of max entries so for example in the millionaire maker that joey was just talking about you can enter up to 150 lineups which is the max for any tournament on DraftKings. however uh if you look uh, a little bit further down the contest list you can see contests such as uh the 150k nickel which is a three entry max which means that uh the most uh, amount of different lineups that any one player can put into that tournament is three and there's also single entries so that means that everybody's on a level playing field so that can definitely be something that you want to be fully aware of if you're only putting one you know one shot in the dark into the millie maker you're not going to have quite as high of a percentage to win versus someone who's max entering and putting in 150 you know that being said uh, 150 lineups versus one lineup when you're talking about a field of 300,000 people isn't really that much of an advantage so some people think that you know oh i could be a millionaire if i entered 150 lineups every week when it's really not that simple because when you think about it you're your potential loss is also that much higher. Yes. If, if you're entering 150 lineups, you're probably losing more than you're winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But that, that just goes also to talk about bankroll management. So, Jerry, do you want to explain what uh, bankroll management is and how you do it? So for most of us that play almost every day, like I play like every day for baseball, you generally want to spend about 10 to 15 percent of your of your bankroll and you don't want to try to win everything back in one day. So if you if you lose a hundred dollars week one, don't go and try and win it all back the next week. You want to stay consistent with everything that you bet. And if you're playing a, a pretty high amount every week, like say a thousand dollars, you probably want to save nine hundred of that for um for cash, and then play about a hundred in GPPs, 
mm-hmm. because it's it's way harder to, to cash and make some good money in GPPs, and it's easier to cash in double ups and multipliers and head to heads. So about about ten percent of your ten percent you want to play in GPPs, or fifteen percent of your fifteen percent. But you don't want to go all in on GPPs. That's just a recipe for you losing all of your money. Yeah, and and so one thing to take into consideration when I think about bankroll, uh, that doesn't just mean the amount of money that I have in my DraftKings exactly. account. I, I'm thinking about my bankroll for the year is how much am I willing to play on DraftKings for the entire year? So you know, I you know I may only have. on DraftKings at a given time, but if I'm willing to, you know, play that on a week and then redeposit next week, my bankroll isn't two or 300. It's whatever I'm willing to play over the season. So, you know, you have to space that out and you have to think about a DFS season, be it football or any other sport as sort of a long game because you're going to have up and down weeks. So you have to just be consistent with managing your bankroll. Don't get too emotional if you're having a bad week and you give up or if you get hot don't just throw it all back in the next week just be consistent and that's how you'll build your bankroll over the course of a year it's great advice you're never going to become rich in one day yeah um for sure and and so jared tossed out uh 10 to 15 percent personally i'm a little bit more uh cautious in in terms of what i play i usually try to stay between eight and ten percent uh, that being said, if you have a good feeling about a, a certain week, there's nothing wrong with going harder on a certain week. But just understand that you know you have to still think in the long term. You know, exactly. You want to try and stay consistent as possible. Yeah, every every single slate, even if even if it's a three game slate or a single game like a like a showdown, you have to stay consistent. You don't want to overbet or underbet because what if you lose the early slate? And then you cash the late slate, but you bet more on the early. You always want to stay consistent. Exactly. Is there anything else you guys want to add in terms of uh, some basic strategy for DFS? Um. Yeah. Just just like the ten to fifteen percent, or if you want to do eight to ten percent. So that just means if you have a hundred dollars in your account, you want to bet ten dollars, and then one dollar out of that should go to GPP. I mean, that's if you're playing a hundred. So that's kind of on the small side, but some people, you know, just do it for fun and don't like to, you know, wager a lot of money. So, but if you're betting $100 for each week, then your bankroll should technically be 1000 Yeah, so, uh, you know, you guys mentioned a little bit uh, the terms in, in terms of what you split as far as cash games versus GPPs. So you're you're generally doing about, what, a 90-10? Yeah favoring cash games and then 10% GPPs. Yeah, that that's definitely fair. I've in the past, I've been doing a lot more GPPs. Uh, I'm definitely trying to focus more on cash for this year. I think that that's going to be one of my main goals personally going forward this year is to increase my cash game for sure. Uh, output. But yeah, it's it's more of a long run in DFS. You don't want it, like like you guys said, you're not going to get rich in one night. I mean, unless obviously you hit the mill the millie maker. Like, you're not going to, and that's highly unlikely. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm definitely going to make an exception for week one because there's a lot of good tournaments to play in that have pretty high payouts. So, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to I'm gonna play a lot of uh, GPPs week one, but after week one is when I'll go hard on cash. I, I, I would also co-sign that. In, in week one, you're going to have the 
probably the softest uh, competition of the year because yes. you're going to have people who are playing DFS for the first time. You're going to have people who are seeing, oh, I could win a million dollars, and they're just going to be playing, and they're not going to really know too much about some of the, you know, in terms of GPPs, stacking, correlation, and, and those are some more in-depth things that we'll talk about on another episode. Uh, but you're going to just want to know what you're doing when you go into these big field tournaments. So week one, they have the most tournaments, the highest payouts. They're trying to get people to come in, obviously, to DraftKings mm-hmm. and stay there. So you're going to want to play more tournaments than you regularly would in, in week one. So I, I definitely agree yeah. with that. And also, there's just all summer, there's been just sort of like the same group think bubbling up. So people all have you know, their opinions that they've been hearing the same news, the same everything and no actual results. So everything is pure speculation. So you can get the biggest leverage you can get at any point throughout the year on week one by being contrarian, just going against popular thought. So I'm, I'm definitely yeah. going hard on tournaments week in, one. In tournaments week one, like 150 points should make you cash in, in every tournament. And that won't be the same as the season goes on. Yeah, you know, there's also a possibility that the lines are a little bit higher on week one because there's going to be more value than there will be in a typical week. What with, you know, they put the the prices out so early uh, in advance that some of them are outdated at this point. So you're going to find value plays that won't usually be there because, you know, as the as the as the year goes on, the pricing gets tighter and tighter as DraftKings, you know, knows exactly what's going on with the players. So I feel like they put it out a little too early. Yeah, they, they always do that for some reason. I don't know. I don't I don't like it. Yeah, it's, but, it's an interesting uh, choice. Yeah, so we'll uh we'll get into some more uh some more topics regarding strategy and and things like correlation and stacking and what that means for you in in terms of DFS. But for now we're going to move on to our second topic of the day and we're going to be talking about some of the rookie wide receivers, the receivers who got drafted in this year's 2018 NFL draft and we're going to be talking about who we think uh, are the top 5 receivers for this year in terms of uh scoring really so not not who we think is the most talented or who we like the most but just who's going to be the most productive in year one and taking a look at your guys's lists right off the bat I noticed that Joey has Calvin Ridley as his number five and Jared you've got him number one so Jared what do you like about Ridley I thought he was the best wide receiver coming out of the draft and seeing the Falcons take him just made his stock rise so much higher He's he's a really good receiver. He runs pretty solid routes, and it always helps to have a monster receiver on the opposite side of you with Julio drawing all the attention of the defense. And Freeman is a good running back, so, I mean, they have to honor the run. He's got and really has solid speed to work down the field, so if Matt Ryan shows up, the Matt Ryan of two years ago, if he shows up, he could have a, a really breakout year. So, Joey, you're not quite as high on Calvin Ridley. What are you thinking about Ridley in year one? Yeah, like as Jared was saying, there there's some players there, Julio Freeman, that will take away targets from Calvin Ridley. I do agree that he is probably the best receiver to come out. He's a very polished route runner. I mean, there's definitely potential there with him. But I just don't think the production will be there year one with Julio solidified as the number one and Sanu solidified as the number two. And I'm just not a big fan of uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his offense. They definitely downgraded 
uh, at the coaching position there. So I feel like that will affect uh, Calvin Ridley's production for this upcoming year. I, I agree with that because he is a terrible offensive coordinator. That's the only thing that could that could yeah, hurt Ridley. Because Literally he, the he only could thing. Impre- he could improve in year one. You know, I mean, Shanahan's a pretty tough act to follow. He's obviously one of the premier offensive minds in the league. I mean, the Falcons' offense is still great. Don't get me wrong, but Shanahan uh, just put that offense to a whole nother level. Um, granted, they couldn't get it done against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and then he ended up leaving to the 49ers. But <clears throat> I just don't like Steve Sarkeesian. And I feel like that's why his production will be hindered a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and you guys talked about uh, Freeman and Julio there, but I also you gotta be, you know, you have to be aware of uh, Mohamed Sanu as well, who's been pretty productive as the number two there. He's yeah. always been a solid number two receiver, even though he's not a number one. Although I mean, talent wise, Ridley should have the opportunity to overtake him yeah. eventually. They took him in the first round for a reason. Yeah, Sanu is definitely solidified as the number two wide receiver for now. But I feel and like Tevin the, Coleman's a passing threat too. Yeah, the Ridley pick was just more so for the future because you know Julio is getting up there in age, and so is Sanu. So I feel like that was just a a value pick for them in the first round because they don't like. I mean, they have needs, but overall their team is pretty solid in each area. So I feel like he was the best player available for them. Yeah, they've got a pretty stacked roster, so they 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 could afford to take a, a wide receiver in the first. Uh, the other first round wide receiver from this year is DJ Moore, who Joey and I both agree uh, is the top wide receiver in terms of expected production for year one. What do you like about Moore, Joey? Um, I just like that he's in a Panthers offense where there's not many receiving threats. Yeah, there's Funchess and Greg Olson and McCaffrey out of the backfield, but there's still targets to go around with Kelvin Benjamin leaving. Um, I feel like Funchess is an average receiver at best. So right now, DJ Moore is currently the number two receiver behind Funches, but I feel like as the season goes on, he could leapfrog Funches pretty easily. Um, he's a good athlete. He's 6'4", so he has height over uh, smaller cornerbacks. You know, the average size cornerback in the NFL, I would say, is like 5'11", so he has like a good five inches, four inches on these corners, which actually makes a difference when playing in the game. Um, so I just, I just like him to uh, have the opportunity to – be productive yeah i definitely agree with you there on the point of just the other pass catchers not being really a threat to hinder moore's development um it's worth noting that moore has been playing behind curtis samuel who they drafted i think in the second round last year so yeah but he's samuel a slot receiver have, he is and and moore has looked like he could play all over the formation even though he is a big body he's pretty explosive he's a good route runner yeah um he's gonna be an elite red zone target uh like I would say that Funches and Moore would be the wide receivers and two wide receiver sets, and then Samuel would come in as a slot guy to start the season. Yeah, and as we saw with the Panthers last year, they're not afraid to get their first-round rookies involved. McCaffrey played a big role right off the bat for them, so I don't think that they're going to you know, slow ball DJ yeah. Moore. He should get in there right away. You're, you, uh, you have Moore as your number two, correct, Jared? So. Yeah, yeah, I as love well. him. We're all yeah. we're all high on DJ Moore. I feel like he has definitely them uh, some upside there. Yeah, I, lo- I love Funches, but I think uh, I think Moore will end up passing him. So my number two after DJ Moore is Michael Gallup, uh, the 
second round selection for the Cowboys. And for me, I think that with him, it's just opportunity because in Dallas, they lost a bunch of targets, obviously, with Dez and Witten leaving. Um, they they added Alan Hearns, who, in my opinion, is more of just sort of a, sort of like a wide receiver two type. He was a good compliment when Allen Robinson was dominant in Jacksonville, but I don't know if he's going to be able to play a true wide receiver one role. And Gallup has been reported to have pretty good chemistry with Dak, so uh, I think Gallup is purely an opportunity based uh, play. I don't know how necessarily if he's going to be a dominant NFL talent, but just in terms of the the expectation for volume in year one, I think Gallup has to be considered pretty high. What do you guys think about Gallup? Well, considering me and you both have him number two means that I like him as well, just for the same reasons that you said. And the reports out of camp are that Gallup is Dak's favorite target. Yeah, I got him as my number three. Yeah, three. Um, I think Dak's in for a huge year. I'm not a fan of Alan Hearns. I'm not a fan of Cole Beasley. And with the defense having to honor Zeke every single play, I think Gallup could burn burn them every defense downfield all all year if they just give him the chance. Yeah, I think I think Gallup might have the clearest path to being a wide receiver one for his team. It's just whether or not he has the talent to make that happen. So it'll be interesting to watch Gallup in Dallas. Uh, who else do we want to talk about here? I think all of us have Christian Kirk sitting around three, right? Yeah. Uh, Jared and I do. Or no, he's four for you, Jared, but right up there. Yeah, yeah I have him three. What are you guys thinking about Christian Kirk? It's, it's reported that he is, uh, from their general manager, that he's going to be their number two wide receiver. So he's already quickly climbed the depth chart. He'll be their probably third option in the game, uh, the passing game, besides Larry Fitz and David Johnson. Um, The only thing I have against Kirk is Josh Rosen. That they're going to be learning, learning together, and they'll probably lean on David Johnson a lot. It's not that I don't like Kirk because I think he has the highest upside of all these receivers, except I like Ridley a little bit more. And he's going to be learning from Larry Fitz, but that, that offense. Helps. Yeah, but the offense with Josh Rosen, I mean, they're both going to struggle. If Josh Rosen struggles, that whole offense will struggle. Yeah, but I mean, Sam Bradford is starting, so. Yeah, I know. But, but Bradford's not, I mean. Bradford won't yeah, start yeah, for long. I, yeah, Over I, under I eight agree. games, Sam Bradford yeah, starting. Under. So I'm just completely disregarding him. Yeah, hmm. I agree. Um, With Christian Kirk, you know, he played for Texas A&M, and he was regarded as the best wide receiver in college football when he did play there. Like, I know I watch college a little bit more than you guys do, but – he was the best wide receiver, but after the combine, that's when the DJ Moore hype train started rolling through, and obviously he was the first receiver off the board. But I li- I like Kirk. He he's a good wide receiver. He has uh good route running skills. He's gonna be the wide receiver too behind Fitz. There there there's uh there's a potential there in Arizona for him to be productive, but it's just very uncertain at this point. I just think once Rosen starts, it's just going to be a struggle for him to get to keep it going if he gets going. Because Rosen's going to start. Bradford's not going to – Bradford, honestly, he might just get hurt because he yeah. gets hurt every single year. 
Personally, I think Rosen was the best quarterback in this draft. Uh, just from watching, yeah, just from watching yeah. college football, he he was a beast at UCLA. Um, he has good zip on the ball. He's a pretty accurate but quarterback too. Sam Darnold has dimes. Yeah, Sam Darnold has looked amazing. Yeah, my only concern with Kirk is that the Cardinals are going to be a train wreck. I, I think that they – I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty low on the Cardinals this year. I think they're going to have a tough time. But uh, we will see with that. Yeah. Um, Joey, your fourth receiver on the list, and Jared, your fifth receiver on the list is Anthony Miller of the Bears. Do you guys want to talk about what you like about Miller? Um, I, Yeah, I like Miller, you know, maybe just as a, a low option. Um. He's projected to be the wide receiver, too, in the Bears' offense. But granted, there is plenty of miles to feed. For example, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, etc. Um, you don't know what you're going to get with Trubisky this year. Will he have that jump like Jared Goff did? Who knows? You don't really know. There's a new head coach. I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty low on, on Trubisky this year. I don't think that he has looked like he's going to make that Jared Goff like uh, yeah. like jump. There's definitely some, you know, some issues that could hinder him. But he, he's been playing good in camp. Um, he's looked really good. He's a pretty good route runner. People have compared him to Odell. So, I mean, that's a good sign that you're getting compared to one of the best receivers in the NFL. I mean, you know, I like him, but not that much, honestly. I mean, I love Trubisky. I think he's going to take that next step, so that'll give Anthony Miller some uh, a boost, but I just don't think the offense is going to pass that much. I think they're going to be a little run-heavy because I think Howard's going to be a complete workhorse this year. But like you said, there's too many mouths to feed there. Yeah. Um, I mean... I mean, Robinson should be the clear-cut number one, and like you said, Howard's going to dominate touches there. Uh, they're pretty high on Tariq Cohen to be splitting all over the formation yeah. and taking targets. And Trey Burton. Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, Trey Burton. Oh, yeah, Trey Burton for sure. Trey uh, Burton. Taylor sleeper. Gabriel I, has been spread all I over. I think guys like Miller, Kirk, and maybe Ridley are more of a dynasty right now. For sure. And DJ Moore and Michael Gallup are more of your uh, produced now this year type guys. But Anthony Miller and um, Kirk and Ridley are locks for Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I would be taking Ridley as my number one if this yeah. were Dynasty. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think he's going to have a tough, tough time. So uh, the number five guy on my list, who's the only one that you guys didn't share, is Traquan Smith, uh, the third-round selection of the Saints this year. Uh, he's just been absolutely dynamite in the preseason. Every single week, he's been great with them. And, uh, you know, initially, he was kind of a deep sleeper with the expectation that Cam Meredith would be the wide receiver, too, there. Ted Ginn would have his role locked in. But Smith is a burner. He's just he's just been so explosive in the preseason. So I'm, I'm looking to see Traquan Smith sort of elevate and become that wide receiver too in the Saints offense. Do you guys like Smith? I like him. You put me on to him. I think, especially with Breeze, he could – I don't like Meredith, so I th- I think he'll take that two spot. Yeah, I, Meredith hasn't been really practicing with uh, the yeah, same way that yeah. Smith has. So Yeah, I, I like him as well, but I'm not, I'm not really high on any 
rookie wide receiver, honestly, for fantasy purposes this year. Yeah, he. That's just my. He's, that's just my opinion. He's more of a dynasty pick too, but he could turn into a redraft. It's just it depends what's going to happen these next couple weeks. Yeah, the chances are he'll be available on the waiver wire if you're in redraft. But I think just uh, down the line, keep him in your thoughts. He could, you know, if there was ever some kind of injury in the Saints offense, I think he'd be a plug yeah. to play in uh, DraftKings. And uh, just an honorable mention who didn't really make the cut, I, I do want to just throw James uh, James Washington's name out there uh, for the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are super willing to play their young guys, and he's a deep threat who could immediately sort of take over the Martavis Bryant role. Uh, it's obviously going to be a struggle for him to get any kind of, you know, valuable target share. What with Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, obviously being the top three guys there. So uh, Washington's pretty buried on the depth chart, but he does he is a downfield threat, a contested catch, you know, beast. Uh, I, I do like Washington. Um, also, Corlin Sutton that we didn't mention. He was getting compared to DeAndre Hopkins in the preseason. Oh, yeah. He was getting up and getting balls, and I don't know. He was he was having a really good show in camp and everything. Yeah, I love Sutton's upside. Uh, again, it's just a thing with the depth chart and and Demarius and uh, Emmanuel Sanders being ahead of him. A low key rookie wide receiver sleeper, Dante Pettis for the Forty ers I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I I could see that for sure. Um, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right, so we are going to close out today's show with a little bit of a, a little bit of redraft recap. So right before uh, we got on, we uh, finished up doing the All Star fantasy football draft it's our annual draft we all get together do a live draft it's pretty fun uh, i'd say i definitely consider it my main redraft league you know with the people that i know and obviously these two goons are in it with, uh, <laughs> so and and interestingly enough this year we all picked back to back to back it was yeah. like a like a podcast run so uh what pick did you guys have i i was a uh, fourth i was third and I was fifth. How do you want to start this? We could talk about our teams, talk about our strategies. I think we should just go like go over how the draft went first, like yeah, an sure. overall, so, like an overall recap of like where players went. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Jared, you you could kick us off here since you do commission the glorious All Star League. Yeah. So my my personal strategy this year, which I incorporated last year, was go double running back. I used to never draft running backs, and then I did last year, and I made it to the championship and uh, took that fat L, but um, <laughs> this year I went with my first pick. I, I passed on Lev. I'm not very high. I mean, I'm high on Lev, but I had to take Zeke. Zeke third, and then when it came back to me, I went against my life and... Um, Took a Chicago Bear. So <laughs> Jordan Howard. Yeah. Yeah, who you said you're pretty high on to be a workhorse. Yes, yeah. Three down playing I mean, being a three down back, I think he'll have a huge year. It's just he plays for the worst team in the whole league. That was pick twenty two, correct? Jordan Howard. Twenty two, yeah. That's I mean that's that's a good pick. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. That that's a great pick for Jordan Howard right there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I so as you said, you took Zeke three, and and uh, David Johnson went two, 
which put me in position to take Le'Veon Bell at number four. So, I mean, to me, that's just a huge value. I love Le'Veon Bell. I do have some concerns with him missing what appears to be the entire Steelers camp. But, I mean, at number four, you got, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is just a lock. So I, I was super happy to get uh, Lev there. I just think he has a huge floor in terms of, you know, a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I just couldn't do it at uh, three. I like, I like Zeke too much to um, – to just to I pass mean, on him. I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, the top four guys, Gurley, DJ, Zeke, and Lev, like, honestly, they could go interchangeable one through four, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of – I would uh put a little bit of separation in between the other three and David Johnson just because he's coming back from the injury, yeah. and I think that he's going to be on the worst team with the worst offensive line of the group. So I was kind of nervous that I would – get uh forced into taking him at four but luckily uh he went two and i didn't have to make that decision so after uh zeke and bell went off the board joey who did you take at five i took alvin camaro um i felt like that was the right pick at five you know he's not gonna have mark ingram for the first four weeks so he's gonna have a pretty high floor his projected points is around like 24 for week one which is pretty decent um I feel like that's just the right pick at number five. I could have went Barkley. I was debating on Definitely it. Definitely not. But, but I like. Yeah. I mean, Barkley went six. Yeah, that was too. But, that's, which is a reach in my opinion. High. Above Gordon Fournette. Yeah. Antonio. I don't even want to talk about how late Fournette went. Yeah, Fournette was a huge value. Didn't he fall to the second round? If I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. I think it was. I think he went like 18th or something. He went 15th. 15th, yeah. Yeah, Fournette was a crazy value. Definitely the biggest value in the first two rounds, I'd say. Yeah, so at this point, let's just sort of uh, give the people sort of an overview of our three teams. We'll just read off sort of our starting lineups, and maybe if we have an interesting bench guy we want to mention. So, Jared, do you want to kick us off uh, with your team? Yep, so I drafted Cam Newton, Tyreek Hill, Jarvis Landry. I was sucked into taking Marvin Jones. Uh, Zeke, Jordan Howard, uh, Trey Burton, Chris Hogan, Corey Davis, and then I didn't draft the Saints defense because I will never draft a defense in my life, but I did pick them up off the waiver wire, and then I got my sleeper of the year in John Ross, and I also took Aaron Jones in, I want to say around the 10th, or no, 12th round. Because I honestly believe he's going to be the starter once he comes back. Maybe around week six, he'll end up being the starter over Jamal Williams. Yeah, that's definitely a good pick in the 12th round in, in terms of upside. Uh, and just so the people out there know, this is a PPR league. One QB, three receivers, two running backs, one tight end, and two flex. Uh, and 12 teams so it turns you know with uh two flex and three receivers the starters can get a little bit deep so depth is definitely important in this league it's also pretty competitive in terms of drafting so uh joey what did your team look like uh from the five spot so my starting lineup is andrew luck michael thomas Allen robinson emmanuel sanders uh alvin Kamara. Jarek McKinnon, Tyler Eifert, Sammy Watkins, and Rex Burkhead. But my flex could be interchangeable with Chris Carson, Peyton Barber, Keelan Cole. And then I drafted the Baltimore Ravens defense as well. Not a bad spot. And from the four hole, uh, my team was uh, Big Ben at quarterback, 
Devontae Adams at receiver, Goodwin at receiver, uh, Cooper Cup, Le'Veon Bell, Jay Ajayi, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Deion Lewis at flex, and I also have uh, Jamal Williams as my flex. So I'm kind of hoping that uh, Jared's prediction of Aaron Jones taking over maybe doesn't come to fruition, but I suppose we will see on that. <laughs> um, so just in sort of like a terms of like your whole team in totality, what do you guys think are like uh, maybe your worst and best pick of the draft? Um, uh, Jared, you want to go first? I mean, my my favorite pick was getting Tyreek Hill in the third round, and my worst pick was two picks later with Marvin Jones. I mean, I think Marvin, you got Marvin uh after Golden Tate went. Yeah, so I I'm mean, just that might be a... because Golden Tate was a reach, but Marvin Jones was a top twelve wide receiver last year, and I don't see why he wouldn't I'm be just this not year. Not a fan of him. I don't know. He's definitely on on the trade block if you want him though. Put that out there right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, we could probably work something out. Uh, what, what about you, Jared? Or sorry, what what about you, Joey? Um, I like a couple of my picks. I like getting Michael Thomas at the towards the end of the second round, uh, for the wrap around. Uh, Joe Mixon went ahead of Michael Thomas, so I feel like I got some good value there for a wide receiver one. And some other picks I like. I, I like that I got Keelan Cole after all the Jaguars receivers were drafted. Yes, even even Marquise Lee got drafted because <laughs> the individual didn't know that he got hurt. So I, I like getting that kind of value after Lee, D.D. Westbrook, and Dante Moncrief all went before him. Yeah, word. Shout-outs to Ryan if you're listening. Yeah, bro. and then my <laughs> the my worst pick is Sammy Watkins just because I don't like Sammy Watkins. But in the seventh round, with the with value, he was the best pick for me at the time. So, uh, what round did you get luck in? I think that was around the seventh or eighth. Um, I draft I drafted Andrew Luck in the eighth round after I had, I want to say four running backs and three wide receivers yeah so initially i kind of thought that was somewhat of a reach just because uh cam newton was still on the board i would definitely have taken cam ahead of luck but um i mean you ended up getting jimmy g later in the draft so with you know the sort of security that jimmy g gives you and the upside of luck i think that you ended up doing pretty well in those uh in that wait regard. did cam no i'm pretty i'm pretty sure cam newton went before i took him the same round so yeah. either went the pick before or the pick yeah, after. Yeah, uh, he went. Which way that was going? I, he went before. Yeah. Did no, you pick. You pick luck oh, before me. I picked. Yeah, I just yeah. Like, so I like I like luck. He's a he's a good fantasy quarterback. So I mean, Cam Newton went two picks later, so he can't really, you know go wrong i feel like yeah coming into this draft i was pretty determined to wait on quarterback and i was the last person to take a quarterback so i mean getting big ben uh some people had already gotten their second quarterback at that point when i took big ben so i was pretty happy with that i mean he's been a top quarterback every year um so i, I like getting that value on ben although i do have ben and lev on the same team i don't, I don't really view that as a concern though definitely um, not a concern so in terms of my draft, I really liked uh, my first three picks with Le'Veon Bell at four, uh, Devontae Adams in the second round, and then Gronk falling to me in the third, which was great value. Uh, just in terms of redraft, I really do want to emphasize getting one of those top three tight ends and Gronkowski, Kelsey, or Ertz, just because I think they give you just a security. You don't have to worry about 
finding matchups on the waiver wire. They're just lock and load starters every week. After that, uh, I mean, my my receiver depth is a little questionable. I really do like Goodwin this year, but Cooper Cup is the wide receiver three. Uh, after that, it's Kenny Stills, who I like. Uh, Joey's not a huge fan of, as he's been berating me all night. And uh, and and John Brown, uh, I, I like him to sort of take over in Baltimore. Uh, just a little brief thing. What don't you like about uh, my man Kenny Stills? He's just not a good wide receiver. That's all I'll say. I mean, you know, he's he's been pretty good in his career up to this point. He's been, you know, at least consistent. Um, Devontae Parker struggling. I mean, he hasn't gotten over 63 catches in his five years. You know, he's thought of as just a deep threat. But, you know, if you look at the third preseason game in the Dolphins, he had three catches and none of them were above uh, – 10 yards down the field so with Landry gone you know Stills might be asked to do a little bit more it's all it's all assumed that's going to go to Danny Amendola but I mean there's he no definitely reason. has had better years with the Dolphins than he did have with the Saints early on his, in his career but you know I'm just not a fan but I have a question for you guys who do you think uh, was the biggest steal of the draft probably Fournette at 20 yeah Fournette was definitely a steal um trying to think who else went incredibly low i mean in terms of adp uh marshawn lynch is usually going in the fourth and fifth and somebody took him in like the 10th round because just nobody was feeling that and so i mean just in terms of like (laughs) in terms of projected workload that's definitely uh you know up there for a good value yeah i feel like it's hard to say looking at this you know chris thompson went super late too if I'm not mistaken. And fifth uh, round. You know, fifth round. Oh, really? Oh, never mind. Yeah. That's actually early. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, there there were some good uh, steals on there, I feel like. But there was also some reaches. Some oh, heavy There were reaches. some serious reaches. Uh, the biggest reach in the draft, in my opinion, is Robert Woods in the fourth round. Followed up quickly by Jordy Nelson in the fourth round. Two players who didn't really have any business being picked that early. I don't know if they just didn't care or they thought they were good picks. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that, that we, was... we don't advise any listeners to draft either of those players in the fourth round of any well, of your redraft leagues. Jordy, just the... Jordy Nelson didn't go in the fourth, did he? Fourth or fifth. Ju- Oh, it was yeah. early. Jordy yeah. Nelson went in the fifth round. So uh, yeah, Robert Woods went in the fourth. And Woods, yeah, Woods going in the fourth is crazy because I get I ended up getting Cooper Cup I think in the ninth, and Cup led the Rams in targets, red zone targets, and and I think catches last year as well if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, just that kind of value on a on a Rams yeah. receiver when you know you're reaching for Woods at that point. I think Woods might have even gone ahead of Brandon Cooks. He went. I believe he did go ahead of Brandon Cooks. He went ahead of Chris Hogan, Sammy Watkins, Alshon Jeffrey, Emmanuel Sanders, Marvin Jones, Nelson Aguilar, Robbie Anderson, Marquise Goodwin. Jamison uh, Crowder. Crowder, yeah, All yep. players I would take. Well, I mean, that, once once you get to Crowder, that's kind of the range I'd be looking at Woods. But still. After, yeah, I got Chris after, Hogan in seventh. Yeah, I got Sammy Watkins. That's a great in the value. Well. Hogan in the seventh. I was I was really looking at Hogan at that point, but with Gronk, that, I kind of didn't want both of them on my on my team. But that's who I was looking at. But Jared had the couple picks before me, so he snagged them. 
Was there anybody uh, in, in this league that you got just absolutely sniped? I know that uh, somebody took your boy Josh Gordon, Joey, uh, right oh, yeah, before you were going right to. before me in the fourth round. <laughs> he, he took Josh Gordon, and I was kind of hurt because that's where I was going to draft him at. That's where he's been going in every uh, fantasy league. I mean, I got I got Allen Robinson, so it's not much of a downgrade, but I still I still was kind of mad. Uh, how about you, Jared? Any any snipes that uh, got to you? Um, not that I could think of. I don't. I there was one that I can't remember, but I think I got over it, so I don't really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, the only one that really stuck out was uh, with Big Ben, I usually would not be wanting to draft a second quarterback in redraft, but with Big Ben having such defined uh, home road splits, I did want to get someone to pair with him. Uh, so Joey sniped me initially with Jimmy Garoppolo, so I went another direction and figured I'd go quarterback on the next round. I got sniped again when uh, Marcus Mariota went with the other pick coming <laughs> back right before me, and I was I was so I had to settle for uh, taking Blake Bortles with my last pick, who afterwards I ended up dropping uh, anyways. So <laughs> whatever, we'll figure out QB two along the way. Oh, but yeah. actually, I do remember who it was, Ben. <laughs> uh oh, Devonte Adams. Yeah, uh, yeah. so, you know, that's actually funny because that was the pick right before you took Howard, and those were the two I was debating on, on if I wanted to go uh, take Howard as my RB2 or get a wide receiver one. But I'm so high on what uh, Adams can do this year in the Green Bay offense as the clear-cut number one. So, And you made me draft a bear for the first time in my life. You know, that's true, but, you know, I think that for the first time it kind of helped you out because then you went on to draft Trey Burton. Uh, Anthony wasn't there Miller. another on there? Anthony, Anthony Miller. Miller, yeah. You're drowning in Bears, dude. You might as well be yeah, a Bears fan at this point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, overall, it was a pretty pretty good draft. It was pretty fun. Um. You know, I feel like we definitely have the best teams out of everybody in the league because our <laughs> I mean, knowledge how, is far superior. Over how you guys feeling about your week one matchups? Oh, that that's a matchup to look forward to. Me versus Jared. Uh, oh, that's a big one. matchup. Projection big wise, matchup. we're around this. We're around the same. You know, it could go either way. Jared could win. I could win. It's a pretty even matchup. I feel like, but you know, that's a pod matchup. So yeah, we might we might we'll, we'll update the people. Yeah, on, on who we might takes we might throw some one. some cash on that week one. Oh, you might have to. You know, we still or we still got some time left. So I so like, what's your guys' predictions for your teams this year? Uh, in terms of a prediction for my team, I I mean I would say all three of us are. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I'd say all three of our teams are pretty safe bets to make the playoffs. I don't want to be you know presumptuous but i think all of us have pretty high floor teams um six teams make the playoffs so yeah six you know, out of 12 we, we i could definitely think up. we're all you know upper half of the league for sure yeah. if not you know top three <laughs> no bias who has the best team well definitely not joey oh, i mean i'll just say that not non-bias <laughs> non-trash talk Jared has the best team yeah, by a I, slim margin. I agree. Jared's starting I'm number lineup two. is solid. 
I just don't like Jared's depth. That's why I feel like my team is right up there with him because I have I feel like I have better depth with him and than than Jared with Chris Carson, Barber, Keelan Cole, Tyler Lockett, uh, Jimmy G. I mean Jared's bench is is you know there there's some upside, but it's not there yet. You have to see what happened, and then I'll put Ben. I'm sorry, but your team is not as good as mine and Jared's. I feel like non biased opinion. So. So who or so how's your rankings go out of us three, Jared? Not I mean, I wanna say not biased, but I honestly think my team's the best. Yeah. I th- I, I, th- I think it was I think it was me me, you, Ben. I just don't like Ben's receiving bro. I don't think you have Yo, I don't hate. I mean Marquise Goodwin is your two. Which I'm happy with for sure. I'm definitely not happy with that. I mean, Goodwin was a wide receiver one from the point that Garoppolo took over last week, last year. And points per game, he was a wide receiver one. You can look that up. So I don't see why there would be any expectation that he would decline getting, you know, a full offseason to, you know, get better chemistry with Garoppolo. I mean, yo, I got I got five wide receivers I'm starting. I could toss you a couple of them for Devontae Adams, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I see where we're going with this. Yeah, so yeah. for me, I, w- I would say that Jared, I also agree that Jared is the consensus top uh, team, followed by myself at number two and Joey in a, in a distant third, non-bias. Uh, <laughs> that, that's very biased. That <laughs> is very biased. May, may, there's maybe a touch of bias in there, <laughs> maybe just a touch. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be it for us uh, on the DFS Dose uh, podcast. Uh, just a reminder, guys, we are up on iTunes, Stitcher, tune it in pretty much everywhere. We've got approved across the board. So please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps, uh, you know, get us more yeah. listens. So that's really a big thing. Helps helps us a lot, you know. Just as I said in the last episode, all you have to do is go on your phone, go on the podcast app, search us at the DFS Dose, click that subscribe button, and join the community. Please. Yeah, uh, we're growing every day on Twitter, so we want to hear from yeah. you guys. Tweet us, let us know uh, at the DFS Dose what you want to hear us talk about, and we'd be happy to cover it. So, For uh, sure. Yeah, so signing off, uh, you can find us at Twitter. At the DFS Dose, uh, my personal Twitter is at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Uh, guys, you want to tell them where they can find you? My personal Twitter is at Joey Carrion underscore. And mine is at Jared underscore underscore Marcus. Look out for that giveaway week one of the NFL season. Week one. Week one. Less than two weeks yeah, away. So I'll see you guys yep. then.